Hey, welcome to New City Online. I'm Ron. And I'm Alexia. And thanks so much for tuning in with us today. And if it's your first time checking out New City Online, we want to say a special welcome to you. If you're ready to take that step and connect with us, we want to make that as easy as possible. You can go to newcity.us connect, fill the form out there, and I'll be in touch with you this week about next steps. And we are excited to remember and celebrate our Lord and Savior's death and resurrection this week. Our in-person services are all located online. Um, all the information, times at newcity.us events. And if you're not quite comfortable with that yet, we will be meeting online at 9.30 and 11 on Easter morning. That's right. And today, as we enter into our time of worship through giving financially, I want to share with you three reasons why we talk about giving in our services each week. The first is that throughout the Bible, people honored God with their possessions. In Scripture, we see many times where people gave offerings to God. They took something of value to them and gave it back to Him as a response to what He's given to us. So that's the first reason we give, to credit God as the provider of all that we have. Secondly, giving changes our hearts. The first few words of our church's purpose are a community of Christ followers. That's where we start, with Jesus. And nothing puts us in that position more than loosening our grip on things we place our hope and security in. When we let go of stuff, we trust Him more. And finally, giving fuels the church. In the book of Acts, we read about believers who brought what they had to the church. The church, in turn, used that to do ministry. And we want to bring gospel renewal to our city of Charlotte and our world. And your generosity toward New City helps accomplish that. If you'd like to take that step and give today, you can do so at newcity.us give. Now, let's continue and worship.
like me but I once was lost but now I'm found was blind but now I see hallelujah and Christ is risen from the grave hallelujah yes and Christ is risen from the grave Sing this out, the prodigal is welcomed home. And the prodigal is welcomed home. The sinner now is saved. For the God who died came back to life. And everything has changed. And hallelujah, yes. And Christ has risen from the grave. And hallelujah, Christ is risen. No oh, death, where is your sting? No oh, fear, where is your power? No. Your open arms and the beauty of your face. 
through tears of joy I lift my voice in everlasting praise and hallelujah so much for rising up out of that grave. You took on the weight of the sin and the world and all of our shame and guilt. God, and you just bore it on your shoulders and you died and came back with the keys to hell, Lord. Now we never have to taste death, Lord. And we thank you so much. Bless this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Today, Chris is preaching from Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the weeds among the wheat. So as you have time, go ahead and turn there in your Bible or the New City app. Now here's the next sermon in Stories Jesus Told. This is a story Jesus told. It comes from Matthew chapter 13, verses 24 through 30. The kingdom of heaven is like a farmer who planted a good seed in his field. But that night, as the workers slept, an enemy came and planted weeds among the wheat, then slipped away. When the crop began to grow and produce grain, the weeds also grew. The farmer's workers went and said to him, Sir, the field where you planted the good seed is full of weeds. Where did they come from? An enemy has done this, the farmer exclaimed. Should we pull out the weeds, they asked. No, he replied, you'll uproot the weeds if you do. Let both grow together until the harvest. Then we will tell the harvesters to sort out the weeds, tie them into bundles, and burn them, and put the wheat in the barn. This past weekend at New City, we talked about the parable of the sower from Matthew chapter 13 as we continued our series about the stories Jesus told. And Nick reminded us that Jesus used the word hear or hearing over 15 different times in the parable of the sower here in Matthew chapter 13. You think God was trying to tell us something? He also reminded us that the fruit of our life, the way that we live our life in front of other people is a reflection 
of our hearts. I heard someone say it this way, what's down in the well, what's in our heart comes up in the bucket, how we speak, how we live our life. And we're gonna continue in our series, the stories Jesus told with the parable of the weeds among the wheat. It's found in the same chapter, chapter 13 in the Gospel of Matthew. So if you have your Bibles, I wanna encourage you to open them with me today as we continue the series in Matthew chapter 13. And before we jump in, let's pray together. God, thank you for this Palm Sunday that we celebrate together. And wherever we might be watching today, wherever we might be, God, we invite you into our presence. We're grateful, God, that you're with us always, never leaving us, never forsaking us. And we're grateful that no matter where we might be today, that we can come into your presence and worship you. We can look to you. We can honor you. We can come to your word and, and listen to you. And on this Palm Sunday, we, we sort of cry out together, just like the crowds did in Jerusalem, Hosanna, Hosanna, which means God save us, God save us. So wherever we might be today and, and, and whatever our week has looked like, however we're feeling today, we do cry out, God, would you come and rescue us? Would you save us? Would you speak to us? May we, may we hear your good words today and be reminded of your truth. We give you praise, we give you honor and glory for coming to us, for speaking to us, for rescuing us. And we pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. My dad was born in a little town outside of Terre Haute, Indiana. How many of you have heard of Terre Haute, Indiana? He was born in a little town called Brazil, Indiana, right outside of Terre Haute. Some of you might be watching today from, from Indiana. That was the first time growing up that I'd ever heard the word Hoosier. Some of you might be Hoosiers. You're, you're from Indiana or you're from the Midwest. And I can distinctly remember driving from Charlotte, where I grew up, to Indiana to visit my dad's family and seeing the entire landscape change as we, as we drove, right? From, from the south and all the trees to just fields that went on for miles and miles and miles, just, just like this. I mean, for, for hours, nothing but corn and wheat and soybean. And again, some of you are from Indiana. You might be watching from Indiana uh, today, or you, you, you grew up in the Midwest and you, you know what this looks like. It's just a completely different landscape full of crops that, that feed the world. You know, the, the Midwest is known as the, the breadbasket of the world. And this is similar to the world that, that Jesus grew up in. Uh, people lived off the land. It was, a, it was an agrarian culture. And so a lot of the stories that Jesus told that we've been walking through are agrarian stories. They have to do with the land and crops and, and, and living off the land. And so the, the story that we're going to talk about today uh, is similar to that. It's an agrarian story that Jesus' audience would have readily understood. And, and that brings us back to the purpose of the parables before we actually jump into the story itself. The purpose of the parables was uh, for God's reality to, to enter into our reality. And the word parable itself means to come alongside. So literally these stories that Jesus told would come alongside our reality so that we could begin to experience and see more of God's reality. So as Jesus tells this story about the weeds among the wheat, he's, he's also entering into the world that people lived in. And so let's, let's, let's join the story here because this story is one of six parables that are sort of bundled here together where Jesus talks about the, the new reality, his reality uh, of the kingdom of God. And, and he, he talks about you know, something that, would, that people would have been familiar with in this world to, to bring their perspective and help them to see God's world. 
So he begins here in Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 24, by saying that the kingdom of, of heaven, which is a, a theme of the gospel of Matthew, uh, Matthew helps us to see uh, God's reality in his kingdom. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field, Matthew 13, 24. But while he was sleeping, an enemy sowed weeds among the wheat and then went away. So when the plants came up, they bore grain and the weeds appeared also. Again, a story that the audience would have been very familiar with because actually for someone to come and sow uh, seeds that, that weren't the crop that was being grown in that field, it was, it was actually a crime. The Roman Empire would prosecute people who would sow weeds in other people's uh, field because it was a way that they would ruin their crop and, and kind of come against their rival or their enemies. And that's what's happening here. The audience would have understood this to, to be a serious crime to go into someone else's field under the cover of darkness and to, to, to sow uh, weeds among, among the wheat. And actually, the, the word that is used here, the Greek word that's used here for weeds, if you're, if you're taking some notes, it's, it's the only time this word is used uh, in the New Testament. It's likely a, a, a type of rye grass, a weedy rye grass known as darnel, and, and it looked exactly like wheat. So as they were growing up beside each other, the weed and the wheat, they looked, they were almost indistinguishable. You could not tell the difference between the two until right at the end. And right at the end, the wheat would, would produce grain, but this rye grass, this darnel, would, would produce poisonous black seeds that would go everywhere, and it would poison the person who would eat it. And Jesus uses this metaphor, this, this comparison to talk about the kingdom of God and to talk about good seed growing up and bad seed growing up right beside one another. And again, the audience would have understood this because it happened. People would go into their rivals' fields and they would sow seeds that, that weren't the crops that were being grown there. They would sow weeds among, among the wheat or the corn or whatever they were growing in order to, to diminish the yield of, of, of the field. And, and so the story continues by the, the servants who were employed by the master of the field in the story that Jesus was telling here in Matthew 13. And they say, Master, didn't you sow good seed? You know, didn't you sow good seed in your, in your field? Why do we have weeds? Again, they've been tending the crop, crop and now they're getting ready to harvest and they recognize that there's all kinds of weeds in the field. And that, so they go to the master of the field and they say, what happened? And, and, and don't, you just, don't you just hear in the story a, a, a whiff of, of blame? Maybe more, than a, maybe more than a whiff. The servants are, are upset. And who do they blame? They blame the master because they think, you were cheap and you didn't buy good seed. You didn't sow good seed. And now, and now we're not going to have a good yield for, for the crop in, in, in the field. It's, it's tempting for each of us to, when bad things happen, to, to, to blame. I don't know about you, but I feel like in the last year, this has been like a year of blame. You know, we, we blame other people for things that have happened. We blame companies. We blame the government. We, we blame our neighbors. We, we, we blame other people when bad things happen. And as Jesus tells this story, remember, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a story about the kingdom of God, of our reality, and Jesus is going to introduce the reality of the kingdom here. Uh, the servants are, 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 are blaming God in this story. They're blaming the master uh, for, for something evil or wrong that's happened. And the master explains here, look at it with me here in verse 28, Matthew 13. He clarifies, you know, no, this is an attack. 
There's an enemy who came under, uh, under the cover of darkness while we were sleeping, no, no fault of anyone, and sowed seeds that, that, that actually were weeds in the field. And so this was an, this was an intentional act uh, of, of the enemy. And in this way, Jesus is teaching his, his disciples and all the crowd that's listening that there is an enemy who has um, bad uh, intentions for all of us that desires to, his job description is to, to do what? To, to steal, kill, and destroy. And so Jesus is reminding his audience, his listeners, and each of us today that there is an enemy who comes and sows seeds of evil among us. And that maybe instead of blaming other people or blaming God, we can look to the one who actually is the, the author of evil, the one who actually has sown these seeds. We, we actually forget many times that we have an enemy. He doesn't forget about us, but we forget that we have an enemy who desires to ruin our marriages, to ruin our relationship with our kids, to destroy everything good, all the blessings of God in our life. And so the master here is reminding the servants that there is an enemy and that this was an intentional act that was done. Remember our enemy? We have one, whether you believe in him or not, he believes in you. And, and our enemy still thinks that he can win. We have an enemy that, that is the deceiver of all deceivers. He's the, the Bible describes our enemy as the father of lies. And the greatest lies that we tell are often to ourselves. And so the enemy deceives himself. He, he thinks that he can actually still win. And, and, and oftentimes, as we look at things that are happening in this world, he does win battles. He's not going to win the war, but he wins battles. And he has deceived himself into thinking that he can still win the war. And so the master here reminds the servants that you have an enemy, and he's done this thing, this evil thing. Don't blame God. Don't blame me. Look at the, the real author, the, the one who is spreading these lies and deceit and these evil seeds, these weeds among us. And so the servants say, after they hear that, they say, well, we want to do something about it. Look at the passage with me. Look at verse 29, Matthew 13. They, they say, so, okay, the, an enemy's come and sown these seeds uh, um, that, that are not the, the, the weeds. They're, the, uh, the wheat, they're, they're weeds. They're going to choke out our, our crops. They're going to diminish the yield of our field. So, so can we go and pull them up? Let's, let's just go get rid of them. Let's just, let's just take Roundup and, 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 you know, and spray all the weeds. Well, what happens if you spray Roundup in your yard, if you go and spray Roundup on weeds in your yard, what's going to happen? Well, all the grass in your yard is going to die too. Uh, many of you right now are, are seeding in your yard and you're, maybe you're weeding as well. And you know that if you, if you spray poison in your yard, it's going to poison everything. And that's the master says here in the story as Jesus tells, tells it, you know, if you, if you go and pull up the weeds, actually the roots of the wheat and the weeds have grown together. They're intertwined. So if you, if you pull up the weeds, you're going to actually pull up the wheat as well, and you're going to destroy everything in the field. And so what, is, what does uh, Jesus say here in the story? The master says, no, let, let them grow up together. And at the day of the harvest, they'll be, they'll be separated. You'll, you'll be able to, to separate them. And so they're, they're, in, in, in this way, he's saying that, you know, there is an end to all this. That, that one day there will be a harvest. And, and again, in this agrarian culture, harvest day was a big 
day. It was a big deal because it represented the culmination of all the work that had been done, the, the sowing of the seeds, the cultivation, the watering, everything that had happened, the payoff literally for that was harvest day. And so the master says here in the story, there, there's coming a harvest day. And I'll tell the reapers, these were special uh, folks that were trained to reap the harvest. I'll tell them to separate the weeds from the wheat. They can actually do that. You can't. And we'll take care of that. And then he says, when that happens, the, the weeds are going to be separated and burned because that's all they're good for. But I'll take the wheat and I'll put it into my barn. And Jesus finishes the story right here. But this is one of the few parables, these stories that Jesus told, where he gives an explicit explanation to his disciples about what the parable means. He gives an interpretation about what it all means. And it's found, again, right here in Matthew 13, verses 36 through 43. Look, look, look at it with me. As Jesus leaves, uh, leaves the crowds, he goes into a home. And when they're in a home together with his disciples, the disciples say to him, like, what was that all about? You know, you, they already asked him here in chapter 13, why do you tell parables? And he's explained to them, you know, I tell parables to, to not only reveal the kingdom, but to, con to, to conceal it. And, and those who have ears need to listen to what I'm saying. But now they're in a small group together in a house, sitting in a circle probably, and the disciples work up the courage to say, what does that all mean? Like, wh like what is the parable of the, the weeds among the wheat? What, what, is it, what does it really mean? Would you explain it to us? And Jesus does. And if you're taking notes, maybe, maybe, maybe write this down, you know, like what Jesus is actually saying from the parable. He says, uh, follow it here with me, beginning in verse 36, Matthew 13. The one who sows good seed is the son of man. It's Jesus. Uh, that, that's, that's the one who is actually sowing the good seed in the field. And what is the good seed? The good seed is the gospel. It's the truth. And Jesus comes to share good news with all the world. And now we as Christ followers are going and sharing the same good news with others. But, but Jesus is the, the, the sower. He's going into all the world and sowing seed. And then he continues by saying the field is the world. Now, some people think the field here uh, in this parable is the church. But Jesus explains, no, the, the field is the entire world. It's not just the church. It's, it's everything and everyone. And everywhere, and the good seed, this is the church. The good seed are the sons of the kingdom. So this is the, the, the true church. The church isn't a building, the church is a people. And Jesus says that the good seed are Christ followers, the true church that are in the world that are gonna yield fruit. Remember, Nick told us last week that, that the fruit of our life reveals the condition of our heart. And as good seed, as Christ followers, we're you know, God willing by his grace, we're yielding good fruit for the world to see and to fall in love with Jesus. And then Jesus explains here that the weeds, uh, continue to follow along with me here, are the sons of the evil one. And this is where it gets interesting, that just like there are children of God, there are children of Satan. You remember in Peter's uh, first sermon on the day of Pentecost, he tells the Jews that are listening that day, you're sons of the enemy, you're sons of Satan. And Jesus uses this verbiage again here that the weeds that are sown among the wheat are actually the sons of the evil one, and they're growing up side by side. And remember we said that that darnel, the, the, the bad seed, the weeds that, that, that looks like the wheat, you can't tell the difference until right before they're fully mature. And it's actually maturity that shows and reveals the difference between the weeds and the wheat. 
And so Jesus here is explaining that the weeds are actually the sons of disobedience. They're the sons of the enemy, and they're growing up side by side with the sons of God. And sometimes they look the same, and it's not until they get more mature that you can begin to see the difference, and the same is true for us. The more mature we become, the more we grow up, the more we identify ourselves for who we really are. I want want to read Ephesians chapter 2. This is a great cross-reference to the story that Jesus told here of the parable of the the weeds among the wheat. As he's um, talking about the gospel and living by grace through faith, In Ephesians chapter 2, the the Apostle Paul writes these words. He says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once, once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the, here's the phrase, the sons of disobedience, Paul says, Ephesians 2, 2, among whom we all, we all once lived and the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. And we're by nature, listen to this, children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And here's one of the, the, the greatest conjunctions in all the Bible, Ephesians 2 verse 4. But God, but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Verse 7, Ephesians 2. So that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ. For by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of your own doing. It's a gift of God, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Here is just a pure, explicit explanation from the Apostle Paul about the gospel and the fact that we were born by condition and now by choice as sons of disobedience. We were children of wrath. And it's only through Jesus that we can now become children of God. Not by our own works, Paul says here in Ephesians 2, but by what? By grace. By grace, the free gift of God. And we, and we receive that gift of God by faith, not by our works, not by anything that we could do. Jesus continues his explanation here of saying, not only is there good seed and there's weeds, there's sons of God, there's sons of the evil one, but there's also an enemy, of course. There, there is a devil. And again, I said, even if you don't believe in the devil, he believes in you and he's at work. And he's sowing those seeds of discontent, of blame, of unrighteousness, right beside the good seeds that, that Jesus is, is, is sowing. And so this, the, the, the truth of the gospel and the lies of the enemy are growing up together in the same field, the world. They live side by side. And, and, and isn't that true? Can't we experience that and even feel that right now? That we live in a world where good and evil exist. Uh, we, we live in a world where There are stories that we can hear in one moment that are so righteous and pure and good and hopeful, and in the next moment, break our heart. They're they're full of of deceit and and lies and pain. And and many of us experience that uh, on any given day, multiple times, good and evil growing up right beside each other. I brought a copy of the USA Today uh, from this week, and this was was, uh, Tuesday's paper from this week. And just in this paper, there's stories uh, about shootings that happened in our country this week. 
There, there's, there's stories here in the same paper about the promise of, uh, of the results of a vaccine and, and helping people to, to recover from COVID. Uh, there's stories in here about extremism on the, on the same paper. There, there's a story in here about a couple that was married for 66 years, right here in the USA Today, that, that traveled the world, uh, sharing the, the seeds of the gospel, the good news with all kinds of people in all different countries, right here in the same paper. And I brought this because I think this is such a re reflection of, of this field that we live in today that's full of good and evil. Uh, these seeds of wheat and weeds growing up beside each other. This is what Jesus is, is trying to explain to the disciples that this parable means. And then he says this. He says, there's going to be a harvest. Yeah, he explains here that the harvest is the end of the age. And, and the application here, you know, what does all this mean? It means that our story, the story that we're living in, uh, the, the world around us, the stories that happen every single day, that, that, that the history of God is not circular, that, that, that it's not just repeating itself. We, we, don't, we don't die. We're not reincarnated into a different part of the story. The, the history of God, the story of God is linear. The Bible begins in the beginning. There's a beginning. The Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. There was a beginning to the story. And the beginning is God. God has always existed. But there's a beginning to our story in the world that we live in. And Jesus is teaching here, the harvest, there will be an end of this age. This world is passing away. There will be an end to this field that is full of weeds and wheat. There, there will be a harvest where the weeds, and some of you grew up learning the, this parable this way, the, the, the wheat and the tares, another word for weeds, they'll be, they'll be separated, the wheat and the tares, the good and the bad. And Jesus uh, finishes here by saying, there are actually reapers who are going to do that separating. In his final piece of explanation here, he says, the angels, they're the reapers. They're the ones that are sent on behalf of God into the world at the end of the age that will separate the good and the bad. And, and, and how does this apply to us? Well, it means that we don't have to do that reaping. We're not qualified to do that reaping. You know, sometimes I want to sit in judgment of this broken world, and I just want to separate good and evil and burn the bad, and, and let's just burn the world up of all bad and evil, and so only good exists. And one day, that's going to happen, but it's not our job to do that as Christ followers. There's a job that's been given to the angels. Evidently, they've been trained, and they're able to separate the wheat and the tares, the good and the bad. And Jesus explains here uh, in verses 40 and following, just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so will it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send angels, and they'll gather out of the kingdom all the causes of sin and all the lawbreakers. Look at this, verse 42, Matthew 13. He will, they will throw them into the fiery furnace, and in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But listen to this, verse 43. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Jesus gives an explanation here of, of what it looks like at the end of time at the harvest, that the reapers, the angels, will come and separate the weeds from the wheat, and the weeds will be burned up, and there, will, there is a place called hell that, that is a place of eternal separation from the presence of God, from the blessings of God, from God's people. And the weeds will be thrown into that place. And uh, Jesus vividly describes here that there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, which was a colloquialism that basically meant uh, regret. There, there's, a, there's a deep understanding here of a mistake that has been made. 
Uh, I heard someone explain hell as, as a place where people live with eternal, not only separation from God, but regret, where they know that they've made a mistake, that they've missed God. And Jesus explains that here. But then he conversely says in verse 43, but the, the wheat, the sons of God, will shine. They'll, they'll shine in the glory of God forever in his kingdom. Just like the sun shines, so will the Christ followers shine in God's kingdom. C.S. Lewis said it this way as I close here. In light of this uh, parable, uh, he reflects on this in screw tape letters. And he says that the, the, the work of the enemy that, the, that, that Satan himself wants to lull many people into hell, for, into this eternal separation from God. And he wants to lull them into that place called hell, that separation from God where there's regret and weeping and gnashing of teeth. He says that he wants to do that uh, by helping people or lulling people into settling for looking like Christ followers. In other words, for, for being wheat that, or weed that, weeds that for a while grow up and they, they look like the wheat. Uh, we, we think we're a Christian. We, we, we do things uh, that, that might, you know, even, even um, reflect to other people that we have a faith, but deep down in our hearts, we really don't believe God. And, and C.S. Lewis says that's, that's one of the major ways that the enemy lulls us into sleep, into separation from God, is by, by, by settling for just looking like a Christ follower, for, for just looking like wheat instead of being wheat, instead of being good seed. And then Jesus finishes this way. We're going to finish this way too because God gave us ears to hear, right? And that's the bottom line. God gave each of us ears to hear. And when Jesus finishes telling this story and then explaining the story, he applies it with this simple statement in verse 43, Matthew 13. He who has ears, let him hear. He who has ears, let him hear. God gave us ears to hear. And so I wonder just by way of application, what is it that God has been saying to you as you've listened to these words today. As you've heard the story, as you've listened to the explanation, as you're, as you're thinking now about how to apply this, he who has ears, let him hear. What is it that you've heard? What is it that God's saying to you? Maybe God's saying to you, you know, I'm, I'm spending way too much time, just like this whole year has been, blaming other people, blaming God, blaming other people, blaming the government, blaming my neighbors, blaming my job, instead of really accounting for what's happening, that there is an evil one who came to steal, kill, and destroy everything good in my life. There's an enemy who, who wants to lull me into sleep for, for substituting just looking like wheat instead of being wheat, instead of being a son, a daughter of God. Uh, maybe it's that you, uh, what you've heard today is that there is an end time that's coming. There is a harvest. There's an end to this age that's coming, that, that it's not just a circle and a wheel that we're on, that God has an end date in mind. We don't know the time. We're not meant to know the time, but Jesus reminds us that there is a day, that, that good and bad will be separated. What is it that God is saying to you today? And here's the, here's the second part of the application. What is it God's saying and what is it that God's asking you to do with it? How, how can you apply it to your life, to your marriage, to your parenting, to whatever God's called you to this week? How can you apply this word into your life today? Would God give you, and may he grant you wherever you might be today, may he give you the wisdom to know what he has said to you through his word, through this story today. And I also pray that he would give you the faith to go and apply it to go and live it out, to obey in your life. To him alone be the glory. Let's pray together. Wherever you might be, would you join me in praying today? God, thank you for this word. Thank you for speaking to us. Um, thank you that we can come and we can know you, not because of our works or trying to act like something, but we can actually be your sons, your daughters, by grace, 
through faith, through our simple childlike trust in you, Jesus, and what you did for us on the cross. Thank you, God, that you are in control and we can trust you. We don't have, we don't have to judge other people. We don't have to separate people, good and bad. That's your job. Help us to shine for you as your sons, as your daughters. And we trust you, God, in this broken world that's full of good and bad. We trust you. We trust your timing. And we trust you for your grace today. And we pray all this in your mighty name. on the day you call me in to heaven's sweet embrace oh, I'll see your scars, your open arms and the beauty of your face through tears of joy I'll lift my voice in everlasting praise, hallelujah oh Christ is risen from the grave Thanks so much for worshiping with us today, New City family. If you would, extend your hands for a benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Turn his countenance to you and give you peace. Go in peace, New City.